come thou long expected Jesus. Let's all stand, we'll sing this song standing.
good pianist here. Uh, I always say those Christmas songs are so hard to play. Uh, you want to play the guitar, so you just cheat, okay? Uh, we, we have a number of special Christmas specials today. So we're going to start having them. We'll have the girls. We'll come in.
Christ came to earth, what a holy, humble birth for the King of Kings. He grew up as a normal child, with his parents meek and mild, what joy he did bring. Working by his earthly father's side, knowing that's not why he came. It wasn't the beginning of his earthly life that he came for. Not to be a baby, but a savior. He was born to die, and that is why.
Let's make this Christmas, being Christmas party, let's make this Christmas the best Christmas ever. They're all buzzing around. And then a boy did this. <clears throat> yes, Johnny. The boy said this. But teacher, how can we improve on the first Christmas? Amen. You got it? Amen. Let's make this the best Christmas ever. How can we improve on the first one? The answer, I don't think he understood what he's really saying. But the answer really is you cannot improve on the first one. What happened was a great event in human history. The second great event was the resurrection of Christ. But there's no resurrection unless there was a crucifixion. There's no crucifixion unless there was a life of Christ on earth for 33 short years. And there was no life on Christ uh, of earth, uh, no life of Christ on earth unless there was a birth. There was no birth unless there was a supernatural conception. There was not that taking place unless there was prophecies in the Old Testament. Everything goes back to the mind of God in eternity, seeing what man's problem would be, and seeing how God himself could solve man's problem, which is sin. God with us says a lot. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your help this morning. My mind is going in all kinds of directions. There's so much that I'd like to say, but it is not possible to cover all the bases, as it were. And so help me today to be simple, plain, and clear about God with us. Speak to all of our hearts. Thank you, Father, for the Christmas time in which we can reemphasize the birth of the Son of God and different things about His birth and how it means how it means something very special to all of us. We who are saved, we know what Christ, Christmas is about. And we who know about Christ, but don't know Christ personally, I pray that you'd open eyes this morning, not only for those who are in attendance, but for those who are watching online. I pray to speak to all of our hearts, speak to our heads, and help us to have a greater appreciation for Christmas and what it really means. And Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you for him coming to this world. And we could never we could never repay you for what you've done for us but may our lives reflect that we believe in christ and that we uh, one day will see him and so lord help us today to spend a few minutes of, of uh, meditation of reflection of anticipation and to see especially what the bible says about your son god with us we pray in jesus name amen have a seat please now god with us God with us. Uh, the scripture here quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14, a prophecy of Jesus Christ coming of the virgin. And that was a great mystery. Uh, the incarnation, the incarnation, God who is a spirit becomes flesh. God who is a spirit with no human body, yet he wrapped himself around with human flesh. That's the incarnation. That is a mystery. Now, a mystery is not something like, oh, I can't figure this out. In our understanding of a mystery, it is mysteries like when you take a picture and then later on, when you look at the picture, there's somebody there that shouldn't be there when you took a picture, a group shot. There are pictures made in Hawaii of the Pali Lookout, which uh, people take a shot of a group of people sitting there all smiling, and when they, back in the old days of film, when they, when they um, process and the print, they look at the print, they see two other people behind there that they didn't see when they took a picture. That's a mystery, that's mysterious. This is not what we're talking about. There are stones found all over America, stones found in parts of the world that are mysterious. They have markings on it. They have uh, things on these stones, and it, it, it's a mysterious language. It's hard to figure out where it came from. There are stones in China that are carved by, that have been carved thousands of years ago, but it was like it was carved by modern tools, modern technology. 
but they didn't have that thousands of years ago. You have things like this all over the world, it's mysterious. That's not what we're talking about. Mysterious things. It's a mystery to me how uh, in Nepal they have uh, paintings on cliff sides of things that don't make any sense, but it's artistic. Uh, mystery is all over in life. And the more you look at things, the more you find out there are unsolved mysteries in this world. And it's just fascinating. The ocean is full of mysteries. You ever see some of those creatures deep sea? It's weird. And they're scary looking. You ever think about many things in space, many things around us? They're mysterious. You can't figure them out. People are hoping that science will have a breakthrough and we'll discover what the meaning of all these mysterious things are. Well, look, this is not the same thing. A mystery in the Bible is something in the Old Testament but not revealed. Until the New Testament comes, then the Old Testament mysterious thing God reveals in the New Testament. That's the mystery. The mystery of the incarnation is found in 1 Timothy. Let me read the verse to you. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. So there it is, the mystery of the incarnation. How can the human mind, the, the finite human mind, understand the infinite God who somehow allowed his son to come into this world in the form of a man when he has no body in eternity. Yet he took upon himself the form of a man with flesh. He's, Paul calls this a mystery. It's a great mystery. He describes it like this. It is without controversy. No doubt about this, we can't figure this out. But the New Testament reveals this mystery as God became flesh. The birth of Christ is really about a spiritual being, God, the Son, becoming flesh. The question comes up then, could Jesus Christ have sinned? For hundreds of years, it seems like, perhaps thousands of years, people have debated the fact uh, if, if the Son of God, could he have sinned because he was a man? Or was it impossible for him to sin because he is God in the flesh? That's a good question to answer. Do you have an answer to that one? Think about that. Could the Son of God have sinned? Could he have sinned because he was in the flesh? Well, if he's God, if he's God, God does not sin. God cannot sin. God does not create sin. God does not. No, so that's part of the answer there. So I would say that um, it's one of those sayings you have to try to figure out on your own. But I know one thing. The Son of God did not sin. Not a word out of his mouth. Not an action he did. Not a thought that he had. He did all things pleasing to his Father. Can you think of another man who is like that? Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your son. Don't look at your grandkids. There's not another person in this world that is without any kind of sin. The Bible says in the book of Acts that Jesus Christ went about doing good. Well, people do good, but not everybody did good like he did consistently. When the disciples spent, spent three years, maybe three and a half years with him, and not one apostle, not one disciple ever found anything wrong with what he said. By a fireside, by an evening meal, with them fishing, with them walking from town to town, with watching him preach and teach and doing miracles, with him being seen in his quiet moments when he's not in the public, not one man said, you know, publicly he did this, but privately I heard him cuss. Well, you know, everybody loved him because of the miracles and everything he did. So, you know, when he fights up, he was cussing up a storm like a sailor who didn't want to read us, but he had to. 
You know, uh, Jesus Christ, you know, publicly, he, he was really bold, but really, in, in, inwardly, when we watched him, he was crying like a baby because he was terrified. Nothing like that. When the people pressed against him and he was exhausted because he, he took upon himself the form of a servant and he uh, went through all the frailties of a man, got hungry, got tired, got thirsty, needed rest, had to brush his teeth. Um, I don't think they had electric toothbrushes back then, had to brush his teeth, had to groom himself. He did all those normal things, yet not a word about him doing anything wrong. No criticism about him. Now, I can't think of a politician that is as clean as that. Can you? But nowadays, if you run for office, they're going to go back to when you're in elementary school. And aha, we caught him doing that when he was in elementary school. And he did this play. He, you know, blackface and everything. And no, he's disqualified now. After 50 years, he's disqualified because as a kid, he's acting like a kid. You know, people are really unfair nowadays. You know that? They go after people running for office now and hold it against them what they did 30 years ago. Listen, 30 years ago, you were pretty bad yourself. If you apply for a job today and they went back 30 years into your life, they wouldn't hire you, they wouldn't hire me. Nobody would be, this, nobody would be qualified for anything. If we were held to such a standard, Jesus Christ was held to such a high standard, comes clean right through, no thing wrong with them. Son of God, you know why? Because he was not born of human seed. Mary carried him but it's not Mary's seed that brought him. It was not. Uh, it was not Joseph's seed. A sinless Son of God. If he was not sinless, if he was not divine, he could not be the Savior. How could a sinful man die for the sins of the world? You cannot. You die for your own sins. But Jesus Christ is called the substitutionary atonement. He's called the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world because he was sinless, because he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Know another man like that in human history? I can't think of it. Now, my wife thinks I'm pretty great. If you only knew. I am born of human seed. I'm as flawed as you are. Maybe more so. I'm as, I'm as sinful as anybody else in this world. Now, I'm not a John Dillinger. I'm not a uh, whoever this FDX guy. I'm not like that. I'm not like some politician. But I have flaws. You have flaws. Because we're all born of Adam's see okay not Jesus Christ he is God in the flesh Emmanuel means God with us now what you have in the birth of Christ is a mystery and uh, yet we have been reviewed in the scriptures we have been told this is how it happened therefore by faith I accept it you accept that faith is involved with everything that we do in this life do you know that you have faith and you exercise every day when you go to the grocery store, who goes to Costco? Well, most of us go to Costco. Who goes to whatever store you go to? When you buy a product, you look at the pool deck, you say, ah, oh, yeah, it's got another two months of that. Yeah, I'll keep it. You buy it by faith. You buy it by faith. Uh, there's cookies back here that people have been eating. I've had about only four with my coffee. But by faith, I've eaten those cookies, thinking that whoever brought the cookies, brought the cookies, wherever it came from, they brought the church, and we eat this thing. They believe that it was safety. I picked up by faith, taking it safety. I'm still standing, but maybe, maybe not. But I, by faith, I, I ate of the, of the cookie. By faith, I drank that good coffee. And uh, uh, we have faith every day. By faith, you go to the doctor. You think the doctor is a pretty good doctor. By faith, you believe the pharmacist that he filled the prescription just right. 
By faith, you go into your car, you step in the brake, by faith, you believe it's going to stop. Now, if it doesn't stop, you better go to get it fixed. But by faith, we do a lot of things. By faith, we accept the incarnation. By faith, we say, we believe that God, here's a good verse. By faith, I believe Jeremiah 32, 17 says this. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and strength thou arm. And there's nothing too hard for thee. Really? Nothing too hard for thee? Even, even producing, even bringing forth a, a son, your son from a virgin? How can that be? Well, the answer is, I don't know. But I know that verse. There's nothing too hard for God. If he holds everything, created everything, keeps in his in his order, I think he can do that. What the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1. Immaculate. I mean, divine, supernatural. That's the word, supernatural. I believe that. You know, a lot of people believe that who are smart people. A lot of people who have letters behind their name. A lot of people who are educated, professional people, they believe this story about the, the birth of Christ. You know why? They have a little bit of faith in that the Bible is true and it says things that are, that is a revelation from God and a mystery has been revealed to us. This is how Jesus Christ came to be. Right. You cannot explain it any other way. Now, if you try to explain things literally by the letter of the law as if it's a it's a laboratory and uh, you have to come to some kind of conclusion, conclusion. You cannot. You cannot figure this out. But is God not able to do this? The answer is yes or no. That's right. Yes or no is the answer. I say yes. Okay. That's borne out from the fact that many parts of the Bible that I don't understand, I believe, and later on comes out to be true. Now I want you to know that uh, Jesus Christ, when he came to this world, it was a mysterious thing. And the, another mysterious thing about this is that he came to this world. He came to this world. Yesterday, uh, Caleb was with me passing out Christmas tracts. The last time I want to pass out Christmas tracts was this year. Down Chinatown, they had Christmas tracts, English and Chinese. And uh, we're down there at some place and passing out Christmas tracts. And he's walking through some of the marketplace. Here's what Caleb did. Caleb did this. What's wrong? I said, ooh, it stinks in here. I said, this reminds me of China. He said, yeah, it stinks. <laughs> You've been to China? In some parts, it stinks. It's just because of the pollution. He's going like this, ooh, it stinks in here. You know what that reminds me about? A landfill. Over in Kailua, there's a landfill. Well, I used to go there, drop off stuff that you couldn't do bulk atoms, drop it off there. You drive up to the landfill, and you, you, you wait to unload a place. You back your truck, your van into the place, unload. You, you, you're almost into the, the garbage of this landfill. You have big bulldozers moving around, moving stuff, making more room. You see seagulls, birds all over the place. It is a foul place. No pun is intended there. <laughs> seagulls, birds, it's a foul place. <laughs> it is a pre-Christmas hangover or something. It's a foul place. And I go up there like this, you know, get rid of my stuff real quick, roll the wheels, get out of it. It's, it's, it stinks. Um, you know, when the Lord came to this world, it's the mysterious thing why he even chose to come. Because he had to come down from heaven. Just imagine, coming down from heaven, the splendors, the glories of heaven. He left all of that to come down to this world that is foul. Not just to visit it, to drop off stuff, but to stay for a while. Back. To be raised in a foul, spiritually dark world. 
a word that's offensive to him. But he came down because of his love for sinners, <clears throat> of his plan to be executed, which would lead to his execution, coming down knowing that he must be about his father's business in Luke chapter 2, and he would have to go through all that just for you. That's a mysterious thing. I don't have that kind of compassion for you, neither do you have that kind of compassion for me. Now, we know each other very well around here in this church. We've known each other for a long time, but I'm not going to give you my, my right pinky for you. Neither would you do that for me. You're not that precious to me. <laughs> I mean, look, humanly speaking, there's a limit to what we'll do for one another, yes? Now, don't look at me and lie to me. We're in church. You're not going to give me your right. Now, you might give me one of your kidneys, and I might give you one of my kidneys, but that's not giving you my life. It's a different, different thing. When the Lord came, it's a mysterious thing. He came to this world because it's a foul world. He did it anyway. Now, if you can imagine him going through every day, every single of the day, growing up, and then as an adult in his public ministry, going through towns, going through villages, meeting people, dealing with them where they live, experiencing everything that a man could normally experience in the first century, and he still did not back out from his reason for coming. That's a mysterious thing. But he did that. Now, he came on a mission. The first point is that it's a mysterious thing. Number two, his birth not only is a mystery, it is a mission. He came to do his father's business, Luke chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. He told, he told his, his stepdad, he told his mother when he was missing for three days in Jerusalem. And uh, they didn't even know he was missing until one day they looked, hey, where's Jesus? He said, I don't know. And they went back to find him. They found him talking to the doctors in the temple and giving the answers and asking questions they couldn't understand. He was way beyond his years. Some of his godness was coming out. They couldn't figure him out. Well, they got a hold of him, and they kind of almost, Mary almost kind of scolded him, I think. And he says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? That was his answer. That's why he was missing for a couple of days. Uh, I must be about my father's business. Business. You know the word business? As in a business trip. Now, Hawaii is a destination for conventions and for trade shows. And people come from the mainland, all across the mainland, to come to Hawaii for a few days or for a week or so to do business, representing their company, representing their home office, and so on. They come here, set up booths, and uh, display their wares, and trying to get some business. They have come here not to vacation. But they may vacation in some off hours, but when it's time for them to be at the show, they're there to meet people and get get um, contacts and answer questions. They're here on business. When it's over, they go back home and report and so on. Jesus came not for a lobby gag, not for a casual walk through Galilee, get on the boat, you know, and cross the road. No, no, he didn't come for that reason. He came to be about his father's business. Sometimes you tell about people, oh, he's all business. This guy, he's all business. I've paid attention to some people. They're all business. They're not fun to be with. They want to kill you. They want to win at all costs. They're not fun to play with. They're not as good as anybody else, but they think they are up here, 
and they have the most expensive equipment and everything else. They got the outfits, but they're not any good. But they're all business in their mind. Jesus came, not like that kind of business, but for serious business, doing his father's will. I told you today, this morning, he came to be the source of life and the source of light. Source of life, the bread of life, and the source of light, direction in this world. And so Jesus came for that reason. He's on a mission to do his father's business. And uh, Mark begins his gospel with Jesus. Matthew begins with some background about he's a qualified one because of the lineage. Luke talks about more details about his, his uh, uh, supernatural conception. And then uh, John talks about he came from God's tree, son of God. And then Mark begins nothing with energy, not nothing. He just comes with Jesus coming on the scene and he's, he's active. He's about his father's business. He's going to work right away. No preliminaries. He's just there in Luke, uh, Mark. He's just busy, busy, busy. He's about his father's business. And so the Lord came on a mission. He came to reveal his father. He came to reconcile the world to himself. He came on a mission. He came to visit reign as a king. That has not happened yet. He came to reveal the father. He came to reconcile the world to himself. He came to reign as a king. That's a future thing. One day the Lord's going to come back at the rapture. And when he comes back, all those who are saved will be caught up together in the air to meet the Lord. And then will be taken up to heaven. And so shall be forever with the Lord. And then, the cross, Jesus went to heaven, time goes by, 2,000 years plus, and we live in this time. But at a certain point over here, the Lord's going to come back. Not to the earth, but to the clouds, to the air, in the air. And when he calls for the saints to come up, we will respond to him. You ever get a magnet? Magnet. Okay. Uh, let me put a nail here. Nail. Nail. Magnet, nail, attraction. Because of the composition of the nail, when the Lord comes down, we'll be caught up. Who will be caught up? Those who have the Holy Spirit in them will be caught up. I'm going to get caught up. Amen. One day I'll be talking with you, and all of a sudden, you turn your head and I'm gone. Amen. Blood flows on the ground. My slippers, my sandals, gone. We'll be playing tennis one day, and it's my turn, my, my, your turn to serve, and I won't be there to receive the ball because I got raptured. You're gonna freak out. You're gonna panic. You're gonna call 911. They're gonna respond. They won't know what to do. Matter of fact, all the saved is gonna rapture at the same time. And the Lord comes back over here. Now, I'm trying to explain this. The Lord, when he comes back over here, we're gonna get raptured up. And uh, it is because that is a part of the reason why he came. He came to reveal the Father, he came to redeem us, and he's gonna come back to Bring in the kingdom. But that doesn't happen yet. I'm trying to show you a little time. When we go up here, watch this. Time moves on. Uh, now, this is not a proportion, but now this is seven years. Seven years passed in heaven uh, on earth. Seven years passed. 
during this during this time after that happened, we got caught up. On earth, seven years go by. It is called the tribulation. On earth, there is no tribulation. Like that, it's going to be a judgment for the believer. After that, we come down. Watch this now. This shall came here. There's a cloud here. Now we come down. We we come up here. Time goes by. Time goes by. This is on the earth. This is in heaven. At a certain point, after seven years, the Lord says, I'm coming down. Now, where did the arrow go? He went to the ground. This is when the Lord comes back. This is called the second coming of Christ. The first coming was here when he was born as a baby. Right there. This is the birth of Christ at some point. And then he was crucified, went to heaven. And now he will come back the second time. So he came to reveal the Father. He came to redeem us. And then he will come back to set up his kingdom. So that's, that, that's what that's about. So that's what he came for. Right now, his interest, his interest is, is you. He wants to redeem. That's his interest now. This will happen. Nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to stop this. Nothing's going to stop that. You cannot stop what he's going to do. But what he wants to do before that happens is he wants to fulfill his father's business to redeem unsaved people. He wants to redeem the lost. He wants to save the lost. And that's what his mission is. And so reconcile the world to himself. And also he wants to reign as a king. Now, what he wants you to do he wants you to respond to him as Savior. He wants you to respond to him. Not just know about the facts. He wants you to respond to him. Responding to something is different from just knowing about something. Knowing truth and then responding to it. We would say doing Something, doing something about it makes a difference. Um, when I had my surgery, oh, I was I was really that's five six years ago, past November, past Thanksgiving. It was it was th this was fresh to me. Even with each past year, it's even still fresh to me because I'm grateful to have good health. I'm grateful to have good health. When they cut me, broke it apart, and uh, did the, did the bypass on me? I was, of course, out, thankfully. And I'm like, even a splinter in my finger. I cried. We got a splinter on my fingernail. When they did that to me, and I got out of it afterwards, what I fought for five, five hours, my wife said, You should have seen you. I said, No, I'm glad I didn't see me. All these tubes come out of me, and it's like, you're bust up. And then having the lace still in the bed, and then having those stitches over here, and have to be careful about everything. And then losing all your stamina, losing all your breath, your wind, and have to regain everything like that. Um, and that's very fresh to me. It's very fresh to me. And um, thinking about how frail life is, and how short life is, and how important life is, and making life count, and making life, making life, um, using using your whatever you have that God gives you for for His purposes. That's very important. And uh, I am I, I treasure each day and I appreciate each day 
I appreciate what God has given to me, what he hasn't. I appreciate just the small things of life. And that was, you know, been five years ago. And uh, when you when you kind of bust up like that, you think differently, don't you? You think differently. Yes. Um, I always think about people who have a lot of ability and skill and talent. I always think these football players, now it's football season, winding down to playoffs and all that. I always think, you know, you guys are going to be grateful to God for giving the ability to play football. Right. Because you glory in yourself, God's going to just let you get injured, and then what, what's going to happen to you? Your thumb, just a thumb, a thumb injury for a quarterback and a scoring hand, he puts, he's out of commission. A golfer, a golfer gets a sore back, he's out of commission. Okay? A genius who uh, has a brain aneurysm, he's out of commission. A guy who's a who's a super intellectual guy gets a stroke. He's messed up. And all of these kind of things are potential things that happen to anybody. You just don't know sometimes. And uh, you ought to be glad and thankful to God for his grace and mercy to you in which you can function normally. Don't ever take things for granted. And don't take people in your life for granted. Don't take anybody for granted. Be glad that you have a life. And uh, the Lord came to be on a mission and you need to respond to him. Knowing the truth, I was, that long ramble was to say, I have to take certain meds because the surgeon said so. I'll take them. I've adjusted some doses over, the, over a period of time, but uh, I do what the doctor says. By faith, I accept what he says. I'm not going to tear out, you know, these uh, homeopathic or these naturalists. Oh, no, you don't need to take this. You know, you have to take stats because, no, no, no. You know what? You didn't get a surgery. I got a surgery. I ain't going to listen to you. What do you know? This is my life, not your life. You can tell me all you want to, all this fact that you have. I'm going to do what my surgeon says. I believe him over you any day. All this online stuff about how you don't want to do what the doctor says. They're all after your money. You know what? Maybe they are. I just say they, they got to get repaid for their training, education, okay? <laughs> got to pay for the bills. I understand that. But all these wackos that know more than anybody else because they just got a little bit of information, they're going to kill somebody one day. You're not going to make me one of your victims. I'm going to put my faith... I'm going to put the action what I know to be true. All right, having said all of that, Jesus came on a mission, but if you don't act on the fact, if you don't respond, if you don't respond, it means nothing. You can know about the Lord, why he came, but if you don't respond to him in a positive way, if you don't receive him, it doesn't do any good for you. You're still unsaved. People, people do two things when it comes to their sin. Because he came to save us from our sins. People do two things in response to sin. Number one. They ignore what the Bible says about being sinful. About being judged for their sin. They ignore it. That's just your religion. That's just what you believe. That's just your opinion. What do you guys know? What do people know? That's just the Bible. A fable. It's a myth. It's folklore. It's not real. That's how they think. They ignore it. Number two, people deal with sin like this. That's a B. Uh, invest. People invest. They put a lot of effort into doing something to become forgiven. They invest heavily in religious things, in, in spiritual things, in good things. Good things that are not wrong to do being a good neighbor, or they invest in a religious thing to do the rituals, the, 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 the gymnastics, spiritual gymnastics of a, of a religion, believing that if they do their part, 
If they do their part, God will do his part. Uh, I believe Jesus died for me. He did 90%. No, let's make 95%. And I will do my part. I'll do my 5%. That's the investment part. I'll put in my 5% sincerely. And I, I know he died for me. That's a matter of fact. I believe that. But uh, I'll do my part. So that's the investment part. People do treat sins like that in two ways. Do you know both are wrong? Both are wrong. You cannot ignore your sin because your sin will find you out. And your sin is going to take you to death. Investing in religion doesn't work either. Do you know that the greatest religious man in human history, as far as we know from the Bible, was Saul of Tarsus. Remember him? Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus. What a character. Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. You know Saul of Tarsus? He was a very religious man. Saul of Tarsus, he was very religious. He was so religious, he was full of pride. Saul of Tarsus. This guy over here, well, kind of looked like this guy. Saul of Tarsus was very religious. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, and uh, he was full of good works. But when he met the Lord, the road to Damascus. See, Saul was on a road of religion to be good, to be righteous. He's on the road of religion, but now he's on the road on a mission to apprehend and incarcerate Christians because he just not like his new religion called Christianity. And so he's going to pull back people into his religion because he believed his religion was right. And then the Lord did something dramatic to him. We would say that Paul got saved, Saul got saved on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. And when he got saved, his life turned around, and then he began to learn about Christ, and he learned about his religion even deeper. He realized that all that he was doing for his religion was all, the Bible calls it like this. In fact, Paul said this, all his religion, now that's the word that he used to describe his religious good works. Philippians chapter 3, Paul describes his life as a Pharisee. Pharisee the Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin, the whole thing. He was the best of the best. He was way up there as far as being righteous in his eyes and in the eyes of his peers. He was so honorable to them because he was so religious and so lawful. But when he got saved by faith, when the Lord saved him, he evaluated his life as a Pharisee and all his accomplishments academically, religiously. He said, I was I was not, I was trying to I was doing my 10%. Uh, you know, I mean, actually, it was worse than that. Everything was about him achieving righteousness. And he called it, oh, it's dumb. Now look up that word in English Dictionary or Cambridge Dictionary. You're going to find what dumb is. It's more than refuge or rubbish. It's more than that. It's more descriptive because that's what it, it was like to him. It's waste. Vanity. So the Lord came on a mission to save people, to save people from a wasted effort of self-righteousness. So you have Emmanuel God with us. It's a mystery because it was a necessity. It is a mystery, it is a mission, and it's a necessity. The Lord had to come at just the right time to be our Redeemer, to buy us back. And so we can never save ourselves by being righteous or good. My mother, um, before I became a Christian in 1970, she was practicing something. I didn't know what I was growing up in Kanye. 
She had a red came with us round, painted red, good color for Chinese red. She had a gallon can wrapped with red foil, Chinese paper. She had dirt, and then she would put incense or punks in it. She would light that thing three days, three days, three times a day. And then she had a plate of candy, fruit, different things. Sometimes she had oranges or apples, but these were given to ancestors that had died. So she was praying to, she had beads through her fingers like this, all brown. And my mother would be doing this in the morning before I went to school. In the afternoon, she would do that on the weekends. And uh, when I came home from practice from sports, she'd be doing a certain hour doing this. She'd walk out facing Kailua um, uh, by Pohanani. She'd be doing this, doing that. And sometimes she'd be turning in a different direction. And she was praying to an ancestral spirit. In her sincerity, coming from Hong Kong, she carried with her her, her home religion. That was her cultural religion. And she'd be praying like that. And I would ask her sometimes, not really curious, but kind of curious, but not seriously curious, because I was into sports so much. And everything was sports. Nothing was important to me except eating and candy. That was important to me. And uh, I couldn't speak Chinese, but she spoke Chinese and very little English. I said, what you doing? And she would just continue chanting because she was she wanted to finish her praying. And I had no clue. My older siblings, they never bothered to worry about that. And so uh, she was doing something that she believed was right for her from her culture, her background. And uh, when I became a Christian, it was really a grief to me to see her do that. And, uh, I tried to witness to her, but it's very difficult because she also accused me of being she would say in Chinese, ah, little boy, little boy. And she would scold me, little boy, what do you know, little boy? That was the interpretation of Hakka to me. Ah, little boy. And she'd go, what do you do? It was like saying, I know better than you because I'm your mother. What do you know? You're just a kid. You're number seven or eight. What do you know? And that was the tone of her rebuke to me. Boy, it hurt me so bad, but I, I could not get through. I could not communicate with her. But I knew one thing after I became a Christian, Jesus Christ is the one who came to redeem us, including right. me, and he was the one that could make me clean on the inside and forgive me my sins. Right. And so um, that was my upbringing about that. And Jesus came to do his father's business, remember? And Luke 19 10 says this, Jesus Christ himself said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. So Jesus Christ expressed reason for being born of the Virgin was to live an adult life, to go to the cross, his sacrificial death was to make atonement for man's sin that he cannot do for himself. He does 100% of the forgiving if we would just put our faith in him and trust him. And so it was a good day when I did that. It was a good day when some of you did that. But a lot of people like my mother used to be, the word is not trapped. The word is not that because I do not believe that she felt like she was a victim. She was perpetuating something that was given to her by her parents and her grandparents and great grandparents and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't really her fault in a sense that she chose to disobey the Bible. Not at all. She was just carrying on what people normally carry on. We perpetuate culture, you know. We all do. And what breaks that is the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ came to do his father's business 
And that was to seek and to save that which is lost. And when the Lord convicts you about that, and you see the truth, hopefully you will not just know the truth, but you respond to it. And turn to him in faith. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So Matthew 1, 21 tells us, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the problem we have, ladies and gentlemen. It's sin. We can ignore it, or we can invest in religion, or we can turn to Christ in faith and have him forgive you of your sins. What a relief it is to be forgiven. Amen. What a relief it is to be forgiven. What a good feeling that's indescribable to know that between you and God, everything is good. You know, between you and your wife, to know that everything is good, it's a good feeling. But to have animosity between you and your wife or you and your kids, that's not a good feeling at all. To actually, actually to have animosity between you and anybody else is not a good feeling. It's, it's a restlessness. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pain. It's a, it's a, it's a trouble. It's a bad feeling to have animosity someone toward you or you toward someone. But what a good feeling is to have reconciliation. Reconciliation. Francis, can you come for a second? Yes. Come. I hate you, Francis. He hates me too, so we're fair. People opportunity. But Francis, I'm sorry for messing up, okay? Sorry. Please take my apology. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, make, make this dramatic, okay? I'm sorry for, uh, you know, all the bad things I said about you, you know, but uh, I, I, please forgive me. You sure? Yeah. Sure you forgive me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything good? Good. We good? Good. You sure? Yes, sir. I was really nasty about I said bad things about you. I'm sorry. Okay? Forgive you. Yeah? I love you. Okay. Okay. Reconciliation. You know what that you know what that's about? Well, can I borrow you again, Francis? <laughs> Work is never done around here. Okay. God. God. Sinner, 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 bad sinner. I'm upset with them. The Bible says God's angry with sinners every day. We have no harmony, we have no peace, we have no fellowship because he has sinned against me. He has offended me. I'm offended at what he said, what he did. And, um, but then, but then the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ came between us in between us and he he did he did the he did the cross work based on that I can look at him and say if he asked me for forgiveness who is unworthy of my acceptance of this forgiveness I can forgive him based upon what Jesus did so if he ever asked me for forgiveness I'll forgive him so ask me for forgiveness Okay, because of Christ, I will forgive him. Now we have fellowship. We had enmity before. But because God became flesh, because God is with us, potential for sinners to be forgiven is very real, very strong because of the cross. Amen. That's what Christmas really leads to. Amen. That's why we Christians like Christmas. Because we understand what that is all about. When you respond to him in faith, then God makes things right. 
but you have to respond to faith. Let me say one more thing before I'm done. I hope you're okay sitting here. You've been sitting for a long time, like about 10 minutes, I think. So let me take another minute, all right? Then I'm done. I'm done. That was about God being with us to come, to be our Lord, to be our Savior. He is our sacrificial lamb. But there's another aspect to God being with us. Let me tell you Christians some good news, all right? Would you Christians like some good news? Amen. There's not much good news in this world, I'll tell you that. If you have investments, if you have stock markets, all these kind of things, it hasn't been real good since you know who took office. It hasn't been good at all. And you vote for him again, shame on you. That's my political statement for this year. I'm done now. But um, there's nothing good on that front. There's not much good on the price of things. There's not much good news about a lot of things. But there's one thing, there's one thing that is good news. And that is when the Lord says, God with us, I can say that God is with me because I'm one of his children. Amen. He is with me by the Holy Spirit. He is with all of us. On earth, he can only be with the disciples one day at a time. But because things have passed, things have changed, now God's work is he lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So he's with me, he's with you if you're saved. So the condition is, if you're born again, he's with you when you got saved. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. As a matter of fact, let me just cite some verses quickly to you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. That's because he lives in you by the Holy Spirit. Now, because that is a fact, he is with us in any circumstance. Let me give you an example. Uh, in the Old Testament, which is a little bit different economy, but in the Old Testament, the idea that God is with someone is to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Have not I commanded thee, God speak to Moses, uh, to Joshua, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, with the servant thou goest. Now if you get stumped over the word with the servant, make it sound like anywhere you go, wherever you go. He, God, God told Joshua, the successor of Moses, that great man Moses, he said, as I was with Moses for 40 years, he says, so shall I be with you, Joshua. So go and lead people into the land. Don't be afraid of anybody, because I'm with you wherever you go. That's like saying God with us. Amen. Now that's the Old Testament. Now to the disciples, Jesus said this, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them of all things, and lo, I am with you always. Right. That's good news. Even unto the end of the world. Now that's about wherever you go in this world, wherever you go in this world, wherever you go, if you go down to the South Pole, the North Pole, or to the, the communist country of California, wherever you go, wherever you go, he says, I'm with you. That's pretty encouraging to know that God is with me wherever I am. Amen. You need to let that do something to you. Amen. Amen. To Paul the Apostle, he says, Demas hath forsaken me. He says, only Luke is with me. Then he says, at the first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Amen. You know what that's about? That's about God with us. That's about God practically being with me, with Paul in jail. All his friends, oh man, I don't want to hand around Paul because that looks bad for me. 
Imagine that, me hanging around this pastor, this mishnah who's been incarcerated. That's not a good look of me. I can't be hanging around him. I can't be communicating with him. What if people find out? They'll, it'll get online. It'll go viral. And they'll brand me like a, a lawbreaker like this guy is. So they'll stay away from Paul. His friends abandon him. And Paul says, you know what? Never mind. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. What's that all about? Right. God is with me. Right. To the forsaken, to the elderly, to the young, to the bereaved, to those who are confused, to those who have been forsaken by their, whatever, whatever the condition, God is with me. By faith, accept that because in reality, he is with you. Now, the Christmas story is about the birth of Christ. It leads to him being with me as one of his children. That is the practical outworking of God with us. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. You mean even when I sin, he doesn't leave me? Yeah, especially. You mean he never? That's right. Uh, you know how good it is to know that he's always with you? Can you think of one human illustration about that and then I'm done? I like to give personal stories because it's real. It happened. I was telling Mike the other day, I was making fun of Mike. Because Mike used a personal illustration. I said, hey, Mike, there you go. Get caught by yourself. And he kind of gave me that snicker, you know, that, that Mike snicker. Like, eh, eh, eh. You know, and um, I said, you know, human illustration that we have experienced, that I've experienced, is good to bring out because it happened to us. It's real. It's not just from a book. It's my experience. When I was a kid, I went to the dentist the first time when I was about, I don't know, 11 or 12. It was a horrible, horrifying experience. My dentist was a former Navy dentist in Kaneohe. He was rough. This Navy dentist was rough. I had to have some teeth. The word is extracted. We call pulled. He didn't give a shot, you know, to prepare you for what's going to happen. And he was pulling on a tooth. And he, he was so hard, he did this. He put his foot against the sink. And he's pulling, he's doing it for leverage. And I don't know what the leverage, because my eye. What helped me go through that ordeal with that Navy, former Navy dentist was my mother was with me as a kid. I would not go unless my mother came with me. I would not go. My first dental appointment, I would not go. My mother tried to treat me before, Chinese style. Not good. Chinese style is to mask the cavity. So you know the, the, the teeth yeah. of you are rotten you know, because of eating hard Christmas candy until you fall asleep, it's like that. She would get this little ball of red thing with tweezers and a red ball at the top of cotton balls, yeah. real compact. She would get that thing in there and put it on my tooth. It kind of was alcoholic, so it kind of gave a soothing oh, feeling. Yeah. All right, Kelly, taken care of. No, it wasn't. It was just to numb and cool off the pain. Finally, I had to go to the dentist. I would not go unless somebody was with me. I told my mother, I said, I'm not going. Oh, you gotta, she scolded me. I had to go with her, which was okay because knowing that she was there in the room with me, it kind of helped this little brave kid go through that horrible experience with that Navy doctor, the Navy dentist. And he's going and yanking, he finally got it out. I remember him. <laughs> and when your kids cry because of thunder or lightning, they're running to your room, jump in your bed. You know why they do that? They want your presence. They want your presence. They want to feel the warmth of your body to give them comfort. They want you to say, it's all right, it's okay, it's just like it's all right. They want that. 
and then they go to sleep. And that's what the Lord is to us. Amen. God with us. Now you 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 tough guys who think, well, I don't need God with me. I can handle my own problems. Sure you can. Sure you can. Sure you can. The Lord knows you can't. It's a necessity for him to have come to us. It's a must. You know these uh, turbulent flights coming into Hawaii not long ago? Some people, I talked to a guy who was a flight attendant. He says, the United Airlines citizen, he says, I hit my head on the top because the plane just dropped. I hit my head. He's just 20, 27 years old. He said, I already heard. He told me all the different things that happened like that. You know, at moments like that in your life, in my life, we need to be strengthened and comfortable because we know factually that God is with us. Amen. The Christmas story is a great story because of all that it leads to. Let me, let me recap and I'm done. He came to reveal the Father. He came to reconcile us to himself and to the Father. And he came to rule as king. Okay, that hasn't happened, but he wants to do that. Number two, he wants to reconcile. He wants to reconcile. He wants to reconcile you to the Father. If you come to him by faith, that will happen. It is that simple. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, this morning I pray. I'm grateful, gratefully that we understand what Christmas is about. And yet the heart is a little bit sad and grieved because we know that there are people, friends, loved ones that for a long time have trusted their religion and not Christ alone. They really sincerely believe that they must do their 5%. Lord, I pray to open the eyes of people and reveal to them the error of their way help them to see that Jesus Christ alone saves. And I pray today that you would speak to hearts here or elsewhere. Speak to hearts, help them to see the need for simple faith to trust in Christ. And when that happens, we'll have peace. When that happens, we'll have assurance that you are with us, that God is with us wherever we go until the time comes for the rapture. And then God will still be with us. And then we will be with God for all eternity. And I pray that you help us to understand this truth. Christmas is more than just presents and toys and good feelings and sentimentality and family and loved ones and friends. It's all, all those things are important. And they're all good. But the best of all, best of all, the best thing of all is to know Christ as personal Savior. And I pray that everyone here today will have done that, will have that assurance. And I pray today, ladies and gentlemen, that as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you have any kind of concern about Christ's salvation, before you go today, I'll be happy to show you from the Bible how to know for, know for sure that Christ is your Savior. Be happy to do that. This might be your first Christmas in which you have received Christ. I don't know, but if that's the case, that'll be a great day for you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you like to receive that gift today? Please, please let me know. I'd be glad to help you to understand that. Thank you, Lord, for Christmas. Thank you for those people, friends that love us. Thank you for the warmth. Thank you for all those good things. Most of all, thank you for your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.